there have always been fashions and some companies will move with fast fashion and they will make some mistakes and, and others will through luck stumble upon brilliance mm -hmm. and, and others will take a more rounded view to leadership mm -hmm. where they pick the right leader and they also augment the board with the personalities and the styles and the lived experiences and the roles that form an entire package mm. because going back to the board effectiveness point that you mentioned earlier mm. this isn't a dictatorship or a you know yeah. a single person business it, it is actually a team effort clearly there has to be a great leader sitting at the top of that but that great leader doesn't have to have every single skill that is required yes. to make that business successful but they do have to have them somewhere in the midst of that inner circle. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper. Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today was listed in Management Today's 35 Women Under 35 Awards, Red Magazine's Women of the Year Awards, and has been voted as one of Accenture's UK's most inspirational leaders. We're going to talk about growth, strategy and leadership on Head to Talk today. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Rachel Barton leads Accenture's strategy business across Europe, working with some of the world's largest brands. She advises business leaders on how they can transform and create new growth, moving at speed from strategy to execution. Accenture's European strategy team encompasses industry experts from across the continent who focus on technology strategy, emerging acquisition, private equity, growth and pricing, sustainability, cost and productivity, finance, talent, and supply chain. Rachel has a passion for social responsibility. She sits on Accenture's Global Corporate Citizenship Council and is a trustee for the Social Entrepreneur Charity Unlimited, as well as the King's College Hospital Charity. Based in the UK, she is a recognized contributor to the media with appearances on BBC, Sky, CNN and CNBC, as well as press contributions in The Times, The Guardian, The Economist and Management Today. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rachel to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you very much, Elaine. I'm delighted to be here. Excellent. Once again, great to have you here today. Um, 
I think it would be a good idea to start with your your current role within your organisation and current priorities. Thank you. Well, as you said, I'm a Senior Managing Director at Accenture and I look after our strategy business across Europe. I spend most of my time working with private equity clients mm-hmm. or those in oil and gas. And um, I think the priorities that I have are very similar to the priorities that many of my clients have, which is to to grow business mm-hmm. and grow it for good. Okay. Okay. Um, I'd like to know your um, motivations, um, Rachel. I see customer strategy is heavily present in the various roles you have had in Accenture. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? When we think about how organisations grow and unlock growth, which is way more complicated now than it has been, at the heart of that is very often a customer How do you sell more products, create more products that customers want to buy Mm -hmm. and differentiate yourself in a crowded market? So customer strategy remains a fundamental part of business strategy. But really what I look at much more broadly is how businesses reinvent themselves, how they create their own new futures in order to win. Mm -hmm. All right, well, well, let's talk about some of the business reinventions that that um, you've mentioned. Let's look broadly at uh, the roles in businesses. Uh, this podcast is is all about synergies in the boardroom, the relationship, for example, of the, the CFO with that of the CDO or the CIO, especially as the world becomes more data-driven, data-dominated, et cetera, you know, data-resilient um, and reliant. Let's look at at the pecking order next to the CEO. Traditionally, it's been the CFO, but who has the CEO's ear the most today? I want to understand how how has board effectiveness changed as a result of the the many and fast developments, some of them have mentioned. What's your thought on this, Rachel? Oh, it's a great question. You remember maybe five or six years ago, we started to see all of these new roles appear at the board level. Mm -hmm. The chief digital officer, the chief customer officer, chief responsibility officer, chief sustainability officer. I mean, the list kind of went on and there was a moment where it really felt as though that triumvirate of CEO, CFO, COO Mm -hmm. being fundamentally disrupted. And um, I was even talking to a CEO this morning um, who had taken their role off the back of being the organization's chief customer officer. That is not a shift we've seen very often, but it has happened. Equally, I spoke to a CEO yesterday who had been the organization CFO. I think what we have observed through this plethora of new C-suite positions is perhaps a stabilization in recent times, where given the disruption taking place in the world around us, Mm There is a tightening actually appearing on the board of an inner circle that is really responsible for growth, 
optimizing cost and charting a path forward into the new future. You know, and a lot of those board roles that started to rise up are probably, you know, not quite at the heart of that inner circle. Now, that's a general statement that I've made. And mm-hmm. I do want to call out a couple of nuances to it. If we look at what happened during COVID, the chief HR officer mm-hmm. suddenly went from being someone on the board who had a clear responsibility to somebody that was locked in a room with the CEO night and day. And that has been a seismic shift that we've seen in almost every organization. The disruption taking place in workforces, the um, the, the, the impact of lockdown, mm-hmm. the role now of automation on the business, mm-hmm. the cost cutting, how it affects the human, the CHRO has now joined the CFO, the COO, and the CEO in that inner circle. There is a bit of a fight for who owns growth. Yes. Yeah. Is it the chief digital officer, the chief customer officer, the chief sales officer? Um, it kind of varies, and I think that is largely down to profile and personality rather than set position. Mm-hmm. So. Given all the volatility and change that's taking place and the rise and fall of different positions, I do see in general as moving as uh, um, boards moving more to that stability now of those four key roles plus somebody for growth, Mm. Um, which has been through a bit of turbulence over recent times. The, The other thing I do think is important when it comes to board effectiveness is that Every board has to have a level of competence where they understand a P&L. They know the products mm-hmm. they produce and who buys them and essentially how the company makes money and looks after its people. If you look at the competence level of the board, they all have to have those foundational skills and perhaps the specialization they hold only needs to be 10, 15% better Mm -hmm. than everybody else. The Mm -hmm. the difference is the CIO because technology has traditionally been a part of an organization that has been left to sort stuff out. You know, we're embarking on a big change journey. We need a new ERP. Okay, the CIO will sort that out. And there has not been perhaps that tech savviness in the fellow board members Mm -hmm. that one would expect in a CIO when it comes to Mm P&L. We're seeing a definite shift now where the competence of the whole board has to be super high when it comes to technology. And that is a wake-up call for board effectiveness generally. It's also a wake-up call for the CIO who no longer manages perhaps the black box Mm -hmm. of technology Mm -hmm. and now only needs to be 10% better than everybody else when it comes to their Mm specialisation. So the new role perhaps of the CIO is to guide an organisation through separating noise and relevance when it comes to all the shiny objects of technology 
that mm -hmm. are starting to bombard the CEO. Mm -hmm. So a reshaped version of the CIO, you know, the CFO, the COO, somebody for growth, the new rise of the chief HR officer and the CEO are now really that inner circle driving the company's success. Mm -hmm. and, and, and do you find that... I think if, if I was a CFO in in this current time as a CFO, I would there's so much blurring of the lines in, in in terms of what I do and what is done in that space. I would be a little bit concerned about my role and my positioning next to that of the CEO. Are you seeing that in in that sense? I read well. There's a piece of Accenture research we've just launched around resilience, and we surveyed thousands of CEOs and one of the data points was that every day a CEO is battling with 10 macro um, challenges. They are, whether that's decoupling supply chains, mm -hmm. whether it's generative AI, whether it's the geopolitical environment, the US election, I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, these are macro challenges they're facing. They are playing, therefore, a greater role in the development of the future strategy of the business. Mm -hmm. They are playing a bigger role in decisions around even huge technology investments. Uh, they're in some ways cannibalizing elements of the chief strategy officer. Mm -hmm. But the CFO plays a really important and I think still very differentiated role because at the end of the day, what enables a company to create its own future is its ability to have an investment capacity mm -hmm. that funds the move. And creating that investment capacity is really complex because how you pivot from being a business that is known for A to a business that's known for B, and you do that without missing a heartbeat in shareholder value, quarterly earnings, mm -hmm. um, decommissioning legacy tech, modernizing it, reskilling a workforce, opening up into new territories, reinventing your entire product set. That requires a pretty sophisticated CFO to understand yes. how those investments can be funded, the risk associated to those investments, because not everything pays off in this world of test and iterate and um and how to keep the bit the lights on in the business while you're doing it all so i think the role of the cfo remains absolutely crucial but it perhaps looks slightly different yes yes um i totally agree with that so, so what are your clients telling you about their needs now and in the future um well, again, I, I just pick up on a couple of recent conversations, even one today where a client said, we have inflation, interest rates have gone up again. Mm -hmm. My workforce is fatigued. 
and I get sent a paper on generative AI at least five times a day. Um, I still struggle with inclusion and diversity, and I have no idea who's going to win the US election, uh, but it's going to create some shockwaves. <laughs> so there is just a lot of stuff that um, is on the mind of our clients. And in and amongst all of this, the markets become super competitive. Mm-hmm. The, um, the 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 price, you know, of raw materials remains high. So profit is on the minds. Growth is on their minds. Mm-hmm. Differentiation is on their minds. External forces. <laughs> yeah, and and I I think one of the challenges as well is that you know maybe maybe everybody's feeding the system because the the pressure to do things now is very, very high. I think that's exas- been exacerbated by the volatility that we've seen in the, in the macro environment. You can't avoid reading something on LinkedIn that says, you know, the time is now, you yeah. know, you have yeah. To, yeah. to move faster than you've ever moved. Um, and we have had that narrative in business for about two or three years now. But the, so you can't keep up with that. I mean, are you no. kind of saying, well, wait a minute, last year it was the metaverse, we had to do something here. Now it's the generative AI. Um, should we just take a step back here and, you know, are you getting that? Well, I'm not getting that, but it is actually what I am advising, that there is a risk that there is just so much stuff to contend with whilst the environment remains volatile yeah. that three things happen you know either it leads to confusion and the wrong decision um or it leads to inertia mm. because it just becomes massively overwhelming you know or it creates mistakes and a short term view that does not deliver long-term outcome Mm, mm. so my big advice to all my clients and in fact my people is make sure you have some time to think because honestly creating a new future and moving from business a to business b Mm -hmm. without dropping a beat in shareholder value and keeping the lights on Mm -hmm. is complex and has to be well thought through now that doesn't mean slow things down, take six months, take a year, um, think that you've got all the time in the world. But it does mean just find a moment of pause Mm -hmm. to put all this together in the context of your business. And this is Mm -hmm. where, of course, we help Mm -hmm. put it into the context of your industry. Understand very clearly what are you solving for? Mm -hmm. Is Mm -hmm. it growth? Is it cost? Is it winning in a market? Is it customer satisfaction? Whatever, though, is it EBIT? Um, Figure out what you're solving for and have a long-term view that is made up of a series of many, many small steps or with stage gates Mm -hmm. so that you can learn and test and iterate um, whilst knowing that you are headed on a path to a clear future direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the moving left right constantly is um is a 
is ultimately going to create a standstill. So agility is key. Mm -hmm. Resilience is super crucial. Mm -hmm. But find the right moments to pause so that you just check you're on the right yeah. journey. Yeah. And uh, and I suppose, I mean, you've mentioned a bit of it, but if you, because you're heavily involved in that, can, if you could sort of paint a picture of how the professional services business um is evolving as a result of all of this that's happening at such a speed. How are you guys, I don't know, juggling the balls with the clients? Well, we continue to evolve. You may have seen we've just um, invested $3 billion in generative AI. It was only a couple of years ago that we invested the same kind of um, money into cloud first. Mm -hmm. One of our as an organization and in fact our philosophy is let there be change we are constantly evolving and i think of accenture as a living organism you know you wake up in the morning in it and it's and it's it looks a little bit different to when you went to bed at night mm -hmm. because we are 24 7 we're global and we are incredibly responsive to change whilst also creating change in our sector generative ai will be as disruptive for us as it is our clients mm. when we think about microsoft copilot mm -hmm. um you know you think about um large language models mm -hmm. and the ability to ingest data and form conclusions and perspectives this will create shortcuts in our business that allow us to get to an answer much faster that means we have to reskill our people, think about the new jobs to be done, yeah. how we elevate the role of the human. So these are things that we think about constantly. Um, different delivery models. I mean, I was lucky enough to be a, a judge on one of our 360 value awards. It's a, an award that we hold for innovation within the firm. And mm -hmm. there was an example in China of a factory um, where people with disabilities are employed and we have worked with that organization using generative AI to work as an assistant essentially to each of those people with disabilities to ensure that the output of that factory is at the same quality level as it would be any other factory. Now, that's an example of not just leveraging technology and creating change, but actually fundamentally disrupting society and allowing a democratization of opportunity for people that perhaps would not have been able to be in the workplace at the, the volume and scale that they now will be able to. So not only do we think about disrupting our business, bringing new solutions to clients, but also changing society for the better with technologies and tools that make a difference. Mm. So it's, it's almost like a holistic change that's happening and everyone's sort of moving forward with it. Um, importantly, how has that affected um, leadership practices and methods? What are you, what are you seeing, Rachel? Well, perhaps I'm old fashioned, but I think no matter what, leadership has to be a stabilising force. I think about great leaders I have known and you never see them running. You know, they, they, they have a 
steady uh, pace and they tend not to panic. So there are some fundamental traits of leadership that are crucial. I referenced earlier that CEOs are grappling with 10 macro changes at any one yeah. time. And there is a risk that today's environment is unsettling for leadership. And now is a time when leadership has to take control of this disruption, make sense of it, and continue to provide a stabilizing rather than a you know panic inducing force. Mm -hmm. So so that remains, you know, also what remains is for leadership to create really consistent long-term growth, not funny spikes that may be the results of good tailwinds. And that requires a knowledge of cash flow, um, a judgment, and a way of lifting the skills of a business to create opportunity. So all those things remain. However, there are new traits. One of them is yeah. ecosystems, um, partnerships. No longer is it possible in the large number of cases to solve all of one's problems within your four walls. Mm -hmm. The ability to go beyond your business and reach out and form partnerships that create acceleration are key. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw that. It's a well-known example during COVID with the ventilator consortium, you know, or the production of the vaccine. Those things would never have been achieved if companies had closed ranks. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. also um, what is really crucial, and again, I think, COP26 maybe was a bit of a watershed moment for this, but we saw a blurring of society and business, yeah. that open COP where business became, um, sat alongside government as a solver of problems when it comes to climate change and sustainability. And leadership now has a much greater responsibility on its impact on the world than it did before. There was a CEO of a bank I spoke to oh, about six months ago who said to me that being a CEO used to be pretty easy because as long as you had a steady cash flow, you were not in the papers for a scandal yeah. and you had um, you know, maybe plus 5% growth, you were doing okay. Uh, that is not what being a CEO is about now. Your ethics and morals are questioned. Mm -hmm. The relationships that you hold with other businesses are questioned. Your brand equity is questioned. Your carbon footprint is questioned. The way you treat your employees is questioned. So the leadership traits remain, you know, I think as they always have done, but the the nuances and the sophistication and the breadth of how you have to present those leadership traits is very different. So that means a leader has to be versatile. They've got to be deeply human. They've got to be connected and have a perspective on where their values sit amongst the world. And they have got to be, as I said earlier, far more tech savvy than they have ever had to have been before because their strategy will start with technology and it will be enabled by it 
so we, we know a lot of this has happened sort of post the pandemic and leaders have completely sort of changed the way they operate and emphasis and priorities more on the, the employees that they lead. My question, I'm sort of formulating in my head as, as I speak, it's sort of what happens to the leaders that prior to the pandemic or prior to this really big shift who are not very good at embracing that or, or their personalities, their characteristics do clash with, um, I don't know, embracing some of the softer stuff, the softer skills that's required to, to lead in this day and age. What, what, what do you say to them? They may not be there for much longer. That was succinct, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, I think that's twofold because they may not want to be and because others may not want them to be either. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, there, there was some interesting research I, I, I saw um, where if you think about the resilience of an organization, you often look at things like the supply chain, the cash yep. flow, you know, the PL. That there are indicators that say that this business is resilient. You know, has it moved to cloud? Does it have yep. modern IT? Um, we don't often look at the resilience of the person leading that business. And when were they going through their formative years? You know, so we think about the 2008 crash or COVID, mm -hmm. or maybe even the dot-com, when the dot-com mm -hmm. bubble burst. Mm -hmm. What were those leaders doing and how did those moments affect them? Because that builds up a, an appetite for risk or not. It builds up a reaction to disruption or not. And if you look at you know, leaders who are running resilient businesses and those businesses are high performing and they're also running organizations of people where in general, the satisfaction is strong. They tend to be people who have weathered many storms, hmm. tend to be people who have allowed themselves to get reinvented. Yeah. They've held on to some of those core skills, but they have evolved and they've been on a learning journey and they continue to be open to change. Mm -hmm. and uh, no, uh, yeah, sorry. The reason why I asked that question, because I was just thinking of the element of, are we sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater in, in that there are some leaders, you know, prior to the sort of, and the more focus on the people side of things that you know were very good leaders, were successful leaders. Do we completely try and change their characteristics so that it fits with, with a new model of how we see leadership today? Or as you say, do they um do they um evolve, go on training courses or whatnot? It, it's just a question I sort of threw in into that. I, I was wondering about what about the leaders that uh, I yeah, and I and I and I think the reality is that there are many many great leaders who will have, um, who will not have all the skills that may be required mm. of them today, and they won't be given the opportunity to learn them because their face will no longer fit, mm. and that may be a mistake, absolutely, because 
there are elements of leadership that become fashionable. Yes. And 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 then they prove not to be the yes, single force that created, you know, the, the greatest company after a yeah. while. So yeah. Uh, this has always been true. There, there have always been fashions, and some companies will move with fast fashion, and they will make some mistakes, and and others will, through luck, stumble upon brilliance, mm-hmm. and, and others will take a more rounded view to leadership, mm-hmm. where they pick the right leader, and they also augment the board with the personalities and the styles and the lived experiences and the roles that form an entire package. Mm. Because going back to the board effectiveness point that you mentioned earlier, mm. this isn't a dictatorship or a you know yeah. a single person business. It, it is actually a team effort. Clearly, there has to be a great leader sitting at the top of that. But that great leader doesn't have to have every single skill that is required to make that business successful but they do have to have them somewhere in the mix of that inner circle Mm, mm, mm. exactly um let's end this episode on a question specific um to to accenture um how is your organization adapting to the changing business environment and differing client needs well I mentioned earlier that we've just launched a $3 billion investment into generative AI. Mm -hmm. That is not an insignificant amount of money. And we've been a a leader in artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. for the last 10 years. When you think about the number of patents that we have and the the different um, uh, artificial intelligence models. Mm -hmm. So that is significant. And we will see that permeate through our entire business whether that's through training whether that is through the way that we automate whether that's through services that we provide so that's a massive disruptive force and a change and that follows of course you know a a similar investment in cloud first not so long ago Mm -hmm. um in order to stay relevant with our clients there is a there is a speed as well very few clients I'm talking to are embarking on five-year strategies. You know, I remember years ago, you could be delivering an ERP solution for seven years. Oh, yes. uh, that world does not exist now. So speed is very important. And that means speed from strategy to execution, where you don't just deliver a PowerPoint pack that might have an amazing theory about where you could head and then it sits on a desk for six months and then, you know, somebody else comes in, reads it, changes <laughs> it, decides to deliver it. The That speed from this is the new future we need to create and how we're going to do it has to be seamless. It's just and that's changing where I think we hold a massive advantage in being able to truly execute that end to end. Yes, because uh, going back to your point, I want to talk to one or two of the other professional services. Yes, 
gone are the days of the you know the, the big implementations that have taken six seven years to do you know three years to plan it out and six seven years to implement now it's a year by year because after a year the whole thing's completely changed and you have to be more agile yeah. and i think it's it's a completely different world in the professional service world that i knew many many moons ago to what it is today and, and, and i'm sure you're 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 actually living and seeing these changes. I mean, how how are you feeling about this, Rachel? I, f I feel very good because I am hugely motivated by the possibilities of the future, mm -hmm. and we have to keep moving. Momentum is crucial in business. It's crucial in the world. Um, the movement of money. Um, the movement of business, the movement of skills. I mean, that is what allows our world to thrive. Mm -hmm. And that can only happen if we change and we invent and we move into uncharted territory. I mean, when I joined Accenture, I remember being on projects with 100 people doing process mapping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, clients would have hundreds of people writing test scripts. Mm -hmm. That that just does not exist as a. I mean, people would laugh at that concept now yes. if they were joining Accenture today. Yeah. So, so our, our job in professional services is to constantly challenge, find new, better, cheaper, more effective, more accretive ways of doing things mm -hmm. to unlock the possibilities of the future that drive value we've not even discovered yet. Embrace agility and make sure the clients embrace it too with you, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel Barton, it's been a pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much, Elaine. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinational. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.